It's 11.02 Central Daylight Time, and welcome to the Duke of Pipso podcast, coming to you live from Experience, Experience Pancakes and Cafe at 3233 North Broadway in Chicago. I'm Matt. And I'm Martin. And now we all politely wait until Martin's order of eggs over medium with bacon and white toast arrives before beginning the show. Good news, Matt. I actually had it before we started. Good. I uh, I, I wasn't sure everyone got the egg experience part, you know, because it's a breakfast place. And by the way, the name of it used to be the Melrose, if you remember. That seems right, but now it's called Eggs Experience. Yeah, right. Well, I'm just going to get right to it, Matt. Go. Um, a lot of people think that we're too like cynical or there's always a joke with everything that we're doing. Yeah. And they're just haters and losers. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, we'd start off, this could be a recurring segment, who knows? Um, but I just want to give you some positive affirmations Oh, in a segment that I like to call positive affirmations. Okay. So I'll just start off and then, you know, if you feel like you have something to add towards myself, that'd be really positive. Okay. Thanks. No, thank you, Matt. You've no, opened are you your done heart. already. No, you just interrupted me. You opened your heart to me, and I know that sometimes when you interrupt me, you're coming from a place of love, and I appreciate that. And that loving, caring spirit goes with you everywhere that you go, and I know that all your acquaintances recognize that. And appreciate that. So never forget that. Wow. Oh, that was that was really something else. I don't I don't remember ever a time feeling so affirmed by you. In a positive way. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's why it's called positive affirmations. Right. I think an affirmation is sort of by definition positive. But I'm not going to, you know, take anything away from what you said. I mean, except you said all my acquaintances. Like, what about my family? Or No, that means everybody. Your family. Your friends. Okay. Even people you meet just maybe one time passing by on the street. I know they look into your eyes. Okay. And they can see that you have a kind soul. All right. Well, let me let me see if I can summon the the spirit of positivity. It's, you know, not easy for me to do this all the time, <clears throat> you know, to get emotional. But, uh, <clears throat> Martin, I hereby affirm that Senator Palpatine did, in fact, say that we will watch your career with great interest when you are a child. May you never forget the special gifts that so many saw in you as a youngling. Thank you. And I feel like you're choking 
on your positivity, and that's okay. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I got that out, and I didn't well, choke on it. I just feel so affirmed in a positive way. Well, let's keep let's keep that going, Martin, and we're going to move on to gravy and gravo. Uh, Perfect. Speaking of you know affirmative, you know behavior and other types of behavior. Uh, Martin, we know that Gravo has long cherished the time he spends with his family. In particular, the time he spends with his precious children is of paramount importance. While he is careful to plan for personal downtime that allows him to rest and recharge, he is always ready to postpone or pivot when it comes to his kids. Gravo always meets his kids where they are in their lives, and together they make memories that last a lifetime. That sounds amazing. Yes. And, wow. Well, as you know, like many other aspects of Gravy's life, parenting is transactional. Gravy loves his children, of course, and provides for them in many tangible ways. For example, his children are always dressed so that their neighbors and classmates know that they are wealthy enough to afford the best brands and latest styles. However, they are never dressed in such a way that could be mistaken for being woke or too urban. When Gravy takes time out of his busy work schedule to vacation with his family, he makes sure that all in his family will enjoy the vacation. That is why he exclusively chooses top-tier North American amusement parks that allow him to flex his financial mu- muscle. Luxury accommodations, decadent food, and pricey skip-the-line programs, such as Disney's Genie Plus Pass and Lightning Lanes, are required. Regardless of what anyone in the family says, or even thinks, Gravy knows he is parenting circles around the rest. His credit card statement tells him so. That's uh, that's just a, a, the type of parable, you know, reflection on, on way, uh, the ways of looking at the world that just is so inspirational to me, Martin. That, that we're able to share these two points of view. Uh, now, I believe we this week also have a Q&A segment. Uh, we do. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So oftentimes we get questions about people, are they living the lifestyle of the gravy blazer? What can they do? And this is from one of our super fans in Florida. I'll just read it to you. I think it speaks for itself. Uh, Dear Martin and Matt, I live in Gainesville, Florida, but I would like to present myself as more refined. Everyone in Florida knows I love basketball and and tattoos. However, I have noticed that the Bush children, Jeb, George W., the Hispanic one, and all the rest, do not have any tattoos. Jeb was governor of Florida. I know that the gravy blazer could catapult me to new heights. What are my next steps? 
Warmest regards, Jay Zakovich. Ah, uh, Jay Zakovich, yes. Um, Martin, isn't that the guy that left the only one-star review we have on our podcast reviews? Yes, but it seems like he's trying to turn his life around. So he wants to take the gravy blazer off or put it on? I think he wants to put it on. Also, him referring to the Hispanic Bush, I presume he means George P. Bush in Texas. That's Jeb's son. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so your next steps, uh, John, or Jay, i just assuming it's John, would be to, um, first of all, uh, stop, you know, putting people in categories based on their ethnicity. I would also say tattoo removal. Yeah, and you don't know that those people don't have tattoos. I mean, they were in like, well, George W. Bush went to Yale and was in Skull and Bones, so he he probably has some kind of tattoo. That might be more of like a brand. Well, right. You know, whatever. It's all the same. Yeah. Uh, True. True. And also, you know, it would sort of be, it would be a classic gravy blazer move to to write, to ask how to get hold of the gravy blazer, but to actually already be wearing it, you know? And I just want to chime in. Also, classic gravy blazer move. You live already, you live in a state with no income tax. Oh, That's yeah. smart. That just is smart. True. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I hope that advice is helpful. Seems like he's well on his way. I would say a couple other things. You don't want to get too good at basketball. No. That sends the wrong message. I don't think that's going to be a problem for him. But Oh, good. good. Uh, also, using stuff like saying warmest regards, you know, that kind of cornball stuff, definitely gravy blazer material, I would say. Yes, and then I think, obviously... He doesn't have a assistant that writes his correspondence for him. Yeah. That would be a next step I would take. Right. True. I mean, you know, and then they would have like Jay-Z at the bottom with like the slash mark, and then he'd like sign it. Right. That That's a thing. Yeah. Or he could be like like uh, Jimmy uh, Vokazich, like just sort of change his name around and no one would be the, and none the wiser. Let's keep with a nice name like John. Okay. Don't try to, you know, befoul it. Okay. All right. Um, well, good luck, Jay-Z. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be eager to uh, see how you're doing and to hear, you know, how things go. Um, in the meantime, and maybe one of the ways that we'll uh, mark the time is uh, – with, with some of our favorite timekeeping devices, Martin, because after all, this is the all-time tournament episode. That's correct. So it's March, which means it's tournament season. So today we're presenting to you the all-time tournament. Um, some of our favorite timekeeping devices. Uh, I think people are going to love it. 
Matt, you want to explain a little bit more? Uh, well, you know, no, I just want, I, I want to tell okay. you what one of and mine is. Not. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So I, one of my, this, my favorite, one of my favorites, my three is perhaps the world's most impressive timekeeping device. It is the 32 satellite GPS constellation, which was run, I believe now by the U S space force. So these are the GPS satellites that rotate in low Earth orbit orbit around the, the Earth. And when you have a GPS-enabled device, like your phone or your car or a litany of other things that have this now. Um, Mainly your phone or your car. Yeah, well, you know, or your watch or, I don't know, yeah. your pacemaker. Yeah. I don't know. We don't, you know. That my pacemaker is run by GPS, actually. Yeah. So, well, and you know, and the reason for that is because it's the world's, in, in the history of the world, there's never been more people that watch a clock more than the GPS clocks, because that's how they determine uh, location. And uh, they use these, uh, this, you know, stupid math BS that some nerds programmed them to do. They also use it to tell time. Well, yeah. And so based on, you know, a bunch of different math nerd stuff, uh, it's just a giant clock. It's the biggest clock. No ever time in history of more people listen to one clock than right now. Let's not make outlandish claims. Well, I'm, that's not outlandish. Yeah. But go ahead. Sure go is. ahead. You, now it's your turn. Go ahead. Okay. If we want to talk about the largest clock that's ever been built in the world, I'm about to mention it right now. Okay. Stonehenge. Okay. It also is the most mysterious thing that has ever existed. Is it a clock? Yeah. But who knows? Maybe it's a way to communicate with aliens. Maybe it's for a pagan ritual. No one knows, but all of the answers are yes. Yeah. Maybe it's all three of those things. Maybe it's a giant coffee mug. Maybe it's, um, um, well. That's not what it is. I can't think of any other things. This is my thing. Sorry. not a giant coffee mug. There are holes in it. Well, what the ground. The coffee would just seep into the ground. Right. A mug for the earth to drink coffee. Okay. The earth doesn't have to drink coffee. Coffee grows out of the earth. Yeah, but it doesn't get to drink it. You know, come on. Okay. Go ahead. Are you done? Sorry. That was I stepped well, on no, I stepped turn. on your your bit a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. No, it's fine. I'll just you know, try to not be really rude and act like you all the time. Okay, so my grab my positive affirmation. My next favorite timekeeping device is a metronome, which um, all of the musicians and and at least all the musicians, and then probably everyone else. I'm not. I shouldn't have shouldn't have broken it down that way. But it's that thing that goes back and forth, click 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 and you use it when you're playing music and i guess 
the piano probably. I always saw like piano teachers use it. And I think you can move that bar up and down on it to increase or decrease the speed. And uh, I never played an instrument um, because um, everyone in my family ignored me. And that's why I acted out so much. But that Could still have been didn't practicing an instrument. That still didn't help out. me. Yeah, it didn't didn't help me learn an instrument. So when I saw that thing, I was like, "Well, that's a tool that I'll never use." So as as it's one of my favorites because I always thought that if I used it, I would be smart. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. So I'm sort of going with the obvious choice here. Of course, everyone's thinking the Swatch came out in the 80s. It was a Swatch. It's not a watch. It's a Swatch. If you lived in Hinsdale and you were in seventh grade and you didn't have one, no one liked you. And you could get like this little like plastic thing that would go over the top of it so it wouldn't crack. And they were built really cheaply, but cost a lot of money. It's a swatch. Tells time. You know? Yeah, and so, now, does that mean you had one? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, good. You know I did. Phew. Yeah, of course I did. Yeah. Okay, well, I didn't know that you did. Um, I remember them. Um, and I remember definitely wanting one. And I did not have one. But I I had some other weird watches that were weird in their own way, so I was okay with that. Yeah, but you turned out. Look, how you turned out. Well, I know, but I'm you know, what can I say? No, and by the I time, just watch. By the you time didn't. you were in seventh grade, I was in tenth grade, so I'd sort of moved on. Actually, that's why. Moved yeah, it's pretty clear now you didn't have a swatch. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I know. I know. Let's talk about what watch I did have, which is my third favorite timekeeping device, was the Snoopy watch that was sent to me by my grandmother, probably in like 1983, maybe 82. Um, it, was, it came in a Snoopy doghouse box. Ooh. Yeah, and then you open it up, and there was a watch in there, and it was Snoopy laying on his back on top of his doghouse with his arms. You know, one was the hours and one was the minutes. And uh, so I loved Snoopy. I had a Snoopy. I had Snoopy pajamas. I had Snoopy, just a big stuffed Snoopy with matching Snoopy pajamas. And I remember, I'll never forget how long it seemed like it took to get there. Like every day I would, I, we would, I would, we would go to the post office, which was near our house. And I would go and ask them if there were any packages for me and there weren't. And it's, it seemed, it must've been, it seemed like a month and I was like, I almost to like where I forgot about it, and then it finally showed up. So, and that took about a month. Uh, it might have taken like 
a couple of days. I don't know. Oh, but okay. I was in second or third grade, so you know, it's all yeah. relative. Was uh, Woodstock on the watch? Um, he he might have been. I don't know. I'll have to look. I'll have to Google the see if I can find it. Maybe it's, maybe it was, maybe Woodstock was flying around as one of the hands, and Snoopy's arm was the other. He's one of Snoopy's associates. Yes. Yep. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to go the next one, and there's a theme here. I'm the all S team. Right. So my last favorite timekeeping device, it's pretty obvious, it's the sun. Oh. Let me tell you how the sun works. If you go outside and it's warm, then it's noon. If you go outside and it's cold... It's 10 o'clock at night. If it's really cold, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. That's how the sun works? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's pretty obvious, pretty clear. So, so what else? Are there other ways to tell time using the sun other than the it's either, time of day? It's either 10 o'clock at night, noon, or 5 in the morning. Uh, what if you go... What if you go around the sun 2,000 times? Then what time is it? It's still the same time. Now, you do bring up a good point, which I left out. In South, in the Southern Hemisphere, it's the opposite. Right. So if you go outside and it's warm, that's midnight. Right. If it's really cold, that's noon. Exactly. If it's like, you know... In between, that's five in the morning. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. I know. It just is like that's how people people have been using the sun to tell time for years. Yeah. Since at least the seventies. Since yeah, like for like fifty sun loops or something like that. That's or I don't right. know. Yeah, well I don't even know. I know. Since the Ford presidency, right. for sure. Well, that's good. I think uh, I think our listeners will appreciate, you know, this sort of wide-ranging discussion, um, you know. And uh, so, thanks everybody for putting up with uh, with us. Um, we do uh, we do love time, though, and we're we're oh yeah. You know, if if you wanna if you wanna tweet us at dpipso, you can email us at dukeofpipso at gmail dot com. You can share some of your favorite timekeeping devices. Uh, don't forget, we're still we got a couple more entries in the Step Mill Enterprises logo contest, but we're always looking for more. Yeah, so get those in. Well, Marty. Let's close up with uh, hurrahs and huzzahs. Okay. Um, I have a hurrah this week. And uh, my hurrah is to Hoosiers. And, uh, you know, anyone knows that Hoosiers are Indianans, people from the great state of Indiana, the crossroads of America. Um, And also, Hoosiers are... uh, the uh, mascot of uh, Indiana University, IU. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, that, are you sure? In Bloomington. Yep. 
Oh. Yeah, in Indiana, that's just everything is a Hoosier. So everyone went to IU. Everyone plays basketball. Everyone likes corn. Everyone likes pork tenderloin sandwiches. You know, you know, you get it, right? Everyone I get, likes I get it now. Indianapolis five hundred. Yeah. And I just, you know, we we were lucky to be visited by a Hoosier whose Hoosiers beat the University of Illinois, uh, much to the John, chagrin. John Mellencamp. Much much to the chagrin of uh our director of uh advertising and uh uh, money yeah. making. Um, so, but I just, job. you know, and and our favorite Hoosier, uh, Jack Yu, uh, is you know somebody we're going to be seeing pretty soon. I just did like a thing where I pointed, but you might not have seen it. We're looking forward to just like hearing how much deeper his voice is, and like all his like inappropriate jokes because now he's in middle school. Or he's going to be. Got to get yeah. on TikTok. Right. Well, that actually is a perfect setup for my huzzah. My huzzah go- this week goes to the University of Illinois, uh, the highest ranked seed in the Big Ten tournament. And once again, they choked. <laughs> and I would like to say I'd blame it on the players, but really I think the problem is their fans are totally fair-weather fans. Everyone I know for the University of Illinois. So really, the huzzah is for the fans of the University of Illinois. If you you support your your team, you have to support them all the time. Now, I know it's difficult because they've never won a road Big Ten contest in any sport, but you still have to stand by them. You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to root for Purdue this week, like so many of them do. This makes me physically ill. You know, I just I just want to quickly say, Martin, that uh, I went to a Bulls game with Seth, and we sat in University of Illinois Alumni Association seats, and I'm not going to say where they were or that they were the worst seats in the stadium. All I'm going to say is every time Seth would yell out, I-L-L, everyone would look around at him and just sort of like cringe and look away. And that's the fighting a line I chant, where if you somebody yells I-L-L, you're supposed to yell I-N-I for a line I. Also, really? I thought I thought the chant was like, you drink like a natty light tall boy and then, you know. Try to like talk to some lady. Well, th- that could also be it. Um, and you know, anyway, uh, y- yeah. So you're right. I'm going to leave it at that. I was going to say something else, but I forgot. So uh, I'll save it for so, another show. Let's close it at this. The University of Illinois fans are the worst fans of any sport now in the past, or in the future. And Seth always bets against Illinois football, a secret that few people know. All right, everybody. Well, it was great uh, having this time with you, and uh, we hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye.